Hebrews chapter 1. I'm glad to be back at MAG today. I'm glad to preach without an interpreter today. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I have to interpret my Arkansas for you, but most of it you understand by now. Hebrews chapter 1 says to God who at various times and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir to all things through whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by, him, by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Of course, the theme of Hebrews is through the whole thing is Jesus is just better. <laughs> Jesus is better. He's better than the law. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the prophets. He's just better. <laughs> and I'm glad that we now have the better. When we had said it by the, in, the, in sundry times that King James says in various times and various ways that God spoke to us by the prophets in different ways. But now we have the living word in, in its entirety. So now we can even look back to the prophets with a different light than even they spoke in their time. They spoke things that when they spoke it, they had no idea the fullness of what they were speaking. But when we look back, having the entirety of the Word and having Jesus Christ who is in Him, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, who everything was established through Him and by Him and for Him, now we can look back at the Word and see with a fuller picture what was being said. Aren't you glad that we have the better? I am glad that we have the better. Come on, Mac Church. I am glad that we have the better. <laughs> First Kings chapter 18. How much of it? All of it. <laughs> he said, oh, geez, he really does have some notes. A very familiar passage of story, a scripture, an account of when Elijah takes on Ahab, Jezebel, and all the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Very interesting tale, very reflective of today. I was listening to an old David Wilkerson. Y'all remember him? You remember when he would have things to say, a lot of times he would go back to the prophets. And people would criticize at times and say, you know, we don't live in the days of prophets. We have the better. He said, listen to me. He said, prophecy is, is cyclical. It runs in cycles. He said, and sin is predictable. He said, the word is good from the front to the back, and it tells the story of where we're at today. And I have to agree. So then in Hebrews, or in 1 Kings chapter 18, it says, It came to pass that after many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So what has happened? We know that... The, the Bible says that by the word of Elijah that the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. We know that by the word of Elijah that the rain came 
at the end when it was the appointed time. It was when Elijah had heard from God. There are some things you probably just need to know up front because James tell us, it tells us about Elijah that at his word that it stopped raining and at his word it began to rain. And it says that Elijah was just a man of like passions even as we are. What does that mean? Elijah was just a man who heard from God and acted on what God said. I'll go ahead and tell you something, Mag Church. You've heard me say it a thousand times. You're going to hear it a thousand one today because you need to be reminded that the power of God is in obedience. The power of God is in obedience. The Word of God is best served when it's obeyed. The power of prayer is best served whenever it's used to hear from God rather than as a substitute for obedience. Who did somebody just say that? Well, I better say that again. You, Jeff, you know that, we're, that prayer is much more effective whenever you're trying to hear from God than when, it, when it's a substitute for not obeying God. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You got yourself in a mess and you run to the altar and say, Oh, God, help me. He said, I wish you'd asked that before. We'd be in a much better position, a much better position of power, a much better understanding if you'd asked me that before. It's a very, prayer is a very poor substitute for obedience. But it starts out, Elijah heard from God. And he says, if you'll go to Ahab, I'll send the rain. Who in the world wanted to go to Ahab? Nobody. Then you see the prophet going to, and, and, he, and he, finds, uh, he finds his buddy. And it says, uh, we're going to go to Ahab and talk to, uh, to Ahab and uh, send some things about Jezebel's prophets and have them sent down here. And Obadiah said, I'm not going to Ahab. I'm, I'm giving you the JRV. He said, he's been sending me all over to find you, and I couldn't find you, and now I'm going to go back with you, and now he's going to kill me. And Elijah said, go anyway. And he says, okay, I'll go. He says, tell him I'm here. And when he tells him he's here, uh, Ahab shows up. Uh, he was interested. He wanted to hear what Elijah had to say. If you had a guy who had shut up the heavens... You might be hunting him to kill him too. Three and a half years in. Ahab's interested. Let's have that meeting. And he, well, you know what he says to him when he gets to him? The prophet has heard from God. It, was, it wasn't just Elijah's idea to say don't rain. It was God's idea to withhold the rain. But Ahab, you know how it is when you've heard from God. I don't, maybe you don't know how it is. When you hear, let me tell you, when you hear from God, it don't always make you popular. And some things that God will speak through you and perform through you won't make you popular. You think, man, if I could just hear from God. Man, I'll have a ministry then. They'll put me on TV. I'll be a YouTube superstar. TikTok won't be able to handle me. But what they might get is some rock throwing. Got a rock thrower in the back. Said, you might get stoned. You might have the king when he when he comes, you know, you ought to be glad to see him. But the king says, Oh, there, there is Elijah. Is that you, O troubler of Israel? So I want to tell you in a world where you where you speak for God and speak truth and you bring, and you call on things to get people's attention, you end up being the troublemaker. Anybody in this house know anything about that? I can tell you all about that. When you begin to speak what's true, all it takes to be controversial today in 2023 
is just to speak the truth. All it takes for you to be a radical nut. What did we talk about two weeks ago? A, a white Christian nationalist, fundamentalist, Zionist nut. It's just speak the truth. Elijah, you troubler of Israel. Elijah said, I beg your pardon, Ahab. I'm not the troubler of Israel. That would be you and that heathen wife of yours. Who's brought, see, Jezebel went out and killed all the prophets of God, as many as she could find. She, would, she had the blood of the prophets on her hands and set up her own establishment of the prophets of Baal and gathered them around her table, hundreds, 800 I believe, around the table of Jezebel, the heathen queen. Jezebel gets a lot of credit or credit. But I got to tell you something, while we're just warming up here a little bit, Jezebel gets all the attention, but you need to know something Ahab was the king. And there could never be a Jezebel unless there was an Ahab. It was his authority that she was standing on. It was his complacency that she worked through. It was him that was the weak one. Remember when, when he come whining back because Nabob wouldn't sell his vineyard? She said, I'll get you your vineyard. It was not for sale, but she got it for him. She killed the prophet and took it, you troubler of Israel. But see, the problem with Israel was Israel. I want to tell you something. I feel like I should tell you. I've come to preach this morning for just a minute. See, the problem with Israel was Israel. Hmm. Y'all are already quiet. See, so Ahab answered the challenge. Elijah said, I'm not the problem, you are. If you want to work this out, meet me on Carmel and bring those prophets with you. I'll come by myself. You bring the prophets. But I need you to do something for me. I need you to call all the people of Israel so they can see it. They were in a spiritual condition. See, I started out reading Hebrews that he spoke at various times and various ways through the prophets. And this is definitely speaking through the prophet. But we now have insight because of the fullness of the word, because of the living word, that we can look back and see things that they couldn't even see at the time. See, the rain was a specific answer to a specific problem that was to get a specific solution. But see, because they had the prophets of Baal. I was looking at Baal. It, it just really means something real simple. Baal just means Lord. In the simplest definition... It means Lord. They had all kinds of lords. Now they still wanted Jehovah. They wanted Yahweh. They haven't totally turned their back, but, they, but they're living in amongst the Baals. And the Baals, the lords of the Baals were thought to be in charge of the crops that they would make the crops produce. The Baals were over fertility where people could have children. 
The bells were thought to be about when the rains would come that produced the crop that fed the children. And then you've got the prophet of God that stands up against all the bells and said, it will not rain for three and a half years. Before, before there was ever a confrontation on Carmel, there was a declaration from God that says, I will show you who's Lord. I will show you that the bales cannot produce a crop, that the bales cannot produce rain that produces the crop, that the bales cannot feed your children. Israel, do I have your attention? He said. Bring Israel before them. Bring them to Carmel, and we're going to talk about it. It says, And Ahab sent for all the children of Israel. And gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? And if there was ever a question for America today, if there was ever a question for God's people today, do you understand when he called the children of Israel, he wasn't calling the heathen. He wasn't calling the Gentiles. He was calling the children of Israel, the people of God, the one of the, of the, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that was serving everything, mixing everything with the one true God. I'm a Christian, but I like me a little idol. I'm a believer, but just in case God doesn't have it worked out, I've got me my own borehole and water pump. You see, that, that, that bale that was over the crop, that was a provider. They were substituting a false god for Jireh, the provider. He was the one, but it was about the children. He was substituting the, the giver of life. The one that took a dirt out of the ground and breathed into on it and the breath of life came in and man became a living soul. They were steeped in idolatry thinking they were still serving the one true and the living God. If there was ever a question for America and the church today it's on Mount Carmel. How long will you halt between two opinions? If God be God, then serve Him. If Baals are God, Lord, then serve Him by all means. And it's a striking resemblance to what you hear today when you stand and proclaim that kind of truth. Are you ready for it? But the people answered him not a word. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? If you claim you're serving God, then serve him. If you're going to serve something else, serve that. You know what Elijah was saying? Make 
up your mind. Church, I'm going to tell you, I planned it. Jet lag served me well last night. I hadn't slept a wink. But I can tell you I had some time to think about something because I don't come angry today. I'm always passionate. I'm not angry. I come to preach some things that's probably going to, well, it might hit hard in some places. But I tell you, I come with open hands, not clenched fists. I come with compassion and emotion. And it's here, not anger. I come to compel from the Word of God where we're really at and to cause you to look in the mirror because that's what the Word does. It calls you to see yourself just as you are. That's what it does. What a striking thing I told you a few weeks ago I heard. Because you'll hear me say sometimes I didn't come to rebuke this morning. I didn't, I, I didn't come. But I, what, a, what, a, what an enlightenment I heard. That the way it says preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Convince, exhort, rebuke. It's, that it's, it's not the preacher that determines what the word does. I didn't come to convince you. I came to exhort you. I didn't come to exhort you. I came to rebuke you. The fact of the matter is, is it's not the preacher that determines what the Word does. You preach the Word, and the condition of our lives determines whether it encourages, whether it convinces, or whether it rebukes. This Word is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's so sharp that it can pierce even to the dividing asunder of the joints and the marrow. It says it can divide soul and spirit, and there's nothing else that can do that. And the Word is a discerner, not the preacher. The Word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It says, how long? Will you stagger? Will you falter? Will you halt? Will you be indecisive between two opinions? But God's God serving. If you think Baal's got it, the other lords in your life have at it. But at this time, he hadn't produced a drop of rain. He says, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to worship, and we're going to set up an altar. You can go first. Do your thing. I'll let you have at it. He said, but let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. <laughs> so all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. See, there's a lot of people that would be scared to put God to the test. I better go first. Unless, I don't know what's going to happen. See, the living God never has to be worried about what Baal, what the false gods are going to do. 
do your thing and give it your best shot. Choose your bull and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So he took the bull which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. Oh, Baal, hear us. I thought, well, at least they can pray out loud. Just an observation. But there was no voice. No one answered. You say, well, God doesn't answer me. God's talking. I can tell you right now, God is talking. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, God is talking. I read to you from Hebrews first that this word is complete. And it, it, at times it was in various ways by different means. He said, but now he speaks through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the completeness of this word. If you're telling me that God's not speaking into your life, I'm going to ask you the last time you were in this book. Because this book will speak to you. God may speak to you in vision. He may speak to you in dream. He may speak to you in prayer. There's a lot of ways God can speak to you, but it will always line up with that book. And the vast majority of the time, a relationship with that word is how you're going to hear from God. Because the Bible speaks clearly. God is always speaking. Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped about the altar. I thought, well, at least they had a little fire in their worship, which they had made. <laughs> and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, now that Elijah. I mean, if he had had a Facebook account, they'd have froze it. If he'd have been friends with the superintendent, he'd have unfriended him like he did me. Woo! 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 Did I just say that? Woo! That was hot. But so it is. I'd edit that out later, but I don't care. Woo! Zing! It'll take me a second to catch my breath on that one. <laughs> I'm preaching to the church this morning. I say funny things so you'll swallow. Do you know that? Jeff, that's why I say things. Just a spoonful of sugar. Have some medicine. Y'all didn't know that Mary Poppins was spiritual. That was before Disney got demon possessed. Oh, I said that too. And so, so it was at noon. I mean, they've been in church from nine o'clock to noon already. That's enough, isn't it? Elijah mocked them. Oh, today. Oh, Jeff, help me. You know what? Today we'd have just prayed for them, priest of Baal. That made my head hurt. Y'all ain't hearing me. 
I'm getting down right down here in your face because I see such stupid junk. Paul called it dung. Just dung piles. <laughs> oh, we, we shouldn't say that. We should pray for them. Well, you should certainly pray. Darren, I'm already preaching better than people are amen. And you should certainly pray. But there comes a time you ought to act. When you got the word of God on your side, you should act boldly. You know what? I've told you before, you ought to love what God loves. When you love what God loves, you'll declare it. I got more news for you. You ought to hate what God hates. And you ought to be just as bold to declare that. And man, people today, you Christians today, that's not very Christ-like. Well, I thought, what are they going to do with Jesus when he talked about you? Den of vipers. Whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You wash the outside of the cup, but the inside's filthy. You love your father, the devil. Boy, he wasn't very Christ-like. Elijah mocked them. You know why? They deserved it. Didn't say, Elijah had a prayer group. We can go back and pray over the prophets of Baal. Hopefully they'll turn into nice idol worshipers. Got people today that would have prayed for Goliath instead of killing him. You know how I know that? Because I watched barbarians butcher people in the streets a month ago. And today the world's crying for the innocents. While I'm there, I might as well just say a few things. Tell me something. Tell me something. Where are the people that are concerned about the innocents in Gaza? Where are they crying for Hamas to release every hostage right now and fully surrender your weapons? Lay them down and come out. We will stop. If you're concerned about the innocents, call on the barbarian terrorists that attacked and raped women and children and threw live babies into the fire and cut their heads off and, 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 and drug naked bodies through the streets and killed people by the thousands. Call on them to surrender and I'll believe you. Call on them and I'll believe you. But in the meantime, if that was your children and your wife and in this country and in this government, we would demand that they be eradicated and not stop until it was over. Stand on what's true. Quit being an emotional windbag. There's only one place to find truth, and that's in the Word of God. There is no moral equivalency. There is real evil in this world. Are y'all okay? Let me help remind a few people of just a few things. Now, people didn't appreciate it at the time, but there's a way you win things. Do you know how... The, the dark scar, scourge of slavery ended in this country because people shed their blood for it. Because the word of God prevailed. That's how. 
And let me tell you how it ended. Let me help y'all. A lot of white faces in here. Let me help y'all. It's because Sherman marched to the sea. They didn't take no pauses, no breaks. They didn't have no humanitarian infiltration. It was scorched earth. He burned it down as he went and marched to the sea. You know what that's called? War. And it's hell. And it was necessary. And it was right. Do you know how Nazism was ended? Imperialism was ended? I'll tell you how. It's back when a nation had the fortitude of their constitution. And the backbone of their convictions that knew that people had been given certain inalienable rights that was given to them by their creator. And among them was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. By the way, anybody watching, there's your white Christian nationalist, extremist, fundamentalist, Zionist doctrine. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Is my faith in the United States Constitution? Not by any stretch. My faith is in the one that the creator that gave you those rights. You know, I'll tell you, go ahead and tell you, those are not just American rights. Those are human rights. Hmm. When Hitler was slaughtering Jews by the millions and marching across Europe, taking everything in its path. When Imperial Japan was not going to stop, was willing to lose millions more of their own people. It was Hiroshima. You know what? Joe, it didn't stop them. So you know what it took? Nagasaki. And 250,000 people died. And by all accounts, historians say that it would have taken a million American lives. And untold millions of Japanese lives to do the same thing. Why am I stopping about that? Because we have a generation that, have, that are so far from the word, they don't even know what's true. That when you run off of what you can see, smell, taste, touch, and hear, when you don't have the word of God, your emotions can take you anywhere when you're not grounded in what's true. And there's things that are true and they are right, but they're not always easy. And to continue to allow that kind of cancer to keep coming back and killing your wife and kids, it's utter foolishness. The prophets of Baal danced and jumped and hollered and performed around that altar. It says, along about noon, Elijah said, <laughs> cry aloud, for he is God. Maybe he's meditating. 
Maybe he's went on a journey. What? Bill must have been busy today. Y'all don't read like I do. Perhaps he's taking a nap. One version says maybe he's sitting on the toilet. That's important too. Maybe he's asleep and need to be awakened. I thought, oh, I can identify with Roger. <laughs> yeah. Some things are just mock worthy. Do we know that? When midday was past, they prophesied until the time of offering of the evening sacrifice, and there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. That's what happens when you try to get something out of your idols. There's some people that thinks their job is their provider. And they worship it. Not knowing that they don't have their next breath. It's not promised. That their ability to go to work was given by the creator of life. Their ability to make a living. Some people would rather worship their denominational heads. And guess what? They don't have any answers either. Absolutely. Boy, he made me want to preach right there. Because I thought, you know, during COVID, I, we needed leadership. I heard nothing. Yes, I'm saying what you think I'm saying. What do we do? Oh, let's go along with it. Heard nothing. On this thing that is clearly portrayed that I just talked about concerning Israel, that's clearly laid out in this word where we should stand. Guess what I've heard from leadership? Nothing. That's not even a hard one. Just lay just lay the axe to the root, people. Oh. Oh. Leadership's not a title. You know what I'm discovering? Jeff, leadership's not elected. God has leaders, and he didn't put them for a vote in front of anybody. They will stand and declare with a clarion voice. Thus saith the Lord. Why? Because if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, how will they be called to battle? And we're in a time of war. Say, oh, you're just sensational. You're just hoping to get a... 
Y'all, I don't have enough energy for sensational. I hope y'all know that by now. I just have a clear, a clear view of who I am and what he's called me to do. And you know what, Sam? You're right. When I open this Bible, I can't see anything but truth. And when I see truth, what else are you going to do with it? Withhold it? God forbid. There's a really good thing when you're a preacher that's not running for anything. You know what? I'm never going to be the presbyter. And I don't want to be. Never going to be the district superintendent or the general superintendent or anybody else's superintendent. And guess what? I don't want to be. So that takes all the politician out of it. Let me tell you a little story. I had a preacher friend of mine. He said, you preaching? And one of his other preachers, he's coming to preach for him. I can't tell you who they are. If I say anything, there's people in this room who's going to know who's who. He says, when you get to my church, don't say that. He says, well, uh, you know, I, did you want me to preach or not? He said, why don't you want me to say that? He said, well, you're just too political. Oh, I'm too political. I just preach the word. I back everything. I got it. I got it. I work. He said, why don't, why don't you say that? He said, well, if I do, then I got a, one that, you know, they work down at the, you know, they give quite a bit. And, you know, they, I got others that, you know, they're pretty influential with the city and we need that. And he said, yeah. He said, I, I hear you. He said, so what you're saying is you're afraid that money and power will leave your church. He said, well, I wasn't going to say it that way. He said, oh, I got a question for you. Who's the politician? Me or you? <laughs> then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. Amazing that this man of God wasn't afraid to bring the people near. So all the people came near him, and Elijah repaired the altar. Let me help you with some things before I go further. Israel was in a bad way. They wasn't totally apostate. They still believed in a God. But believing in a God isn't serving a God. Because even the devils believe and tremble. I read a Spurgeon quote the other day that says, Atheism is a curious thing. Because even the devil never fell for that one. A fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Had somebody talking to me in Africa about it. I said, what do you do when somebody introduces themselves as an atheist? Now, I got a question, Mag Church. What do you think J.R. has done? Because it's happened. And Jeff, I can assure you what the greeting was. Oh, you're a preacher. He said, well, I'm an atheist. I said, well, I've never met a fool in person. <laughs> they were offended. <laughs> the word... Rebuked. <laughs> Say, well, that's rude. No, that's the word. 
what it says. I'll remind you they didn't crucify Jesus for loving the people. See, the people of Israel, their condition was this. They were silent. In the face of its idolatry. They were unmoved by the drought. Are we moved by the drought? Prophet prophesied a time that was in Israel, but prophecy is cyclical and sin is predictable. He says, There's a time that's coming, says the Lord, that there'll be a famine in the land. A famine not of bread. Not of water, but a famine of the hearing of the Word of God. And it says, the first of the chapter said, Elijah had a word from God. And the people answered, not a word, and they were unmoved. They were unmoved by three and a half years of no rain. They were, they were unmoved by no provision. They were unmoved and unchanged and unrepentant. They were suffering because of their own sin. Not the heathen sin, their sin. God didn't call a drought because the heathens were heathen. God called a drought because his people were worshiping heathen idols. It wasn't because of the heathen that they were suffering. America, it's not because of the world. It's not because of the things going on around us. It's not because of the LGBTQ movement. It's not because of liberal fools. It's not because of abortionists. It's not because of any of those things that we are suffering. We are suffering because of the sin of God's people that are silent, that they are unmoved, they are unrepentant, they are unchanged, and they are suffering because of our own sin, not the world's. Never be surprised when the world acts like the world. God deals with his people and mercifully calling them back home by the voice of a man of God. He would stand in the face of execution and say, Ahab, I'm not the problem. You are. That is as political as it gets for the man of God to tell the king, bring them all out and we will show you who serves who. If God be God. Mauricio, I said, my God, my God. If God be God, then serve him. Maurice Hill Assembly of God. If God be God, then get off of your dead Sunday morning religion and praise Him and worship Him and respond to His Word and preach His Word. Go out into the highways and into the hedges. Find the blame and the weak and the halt, the addicted and the broken and call them home. Call them home because the time is short. My God, There was no rain. That rain was sent by the Spirit of God. 
God. He repaired the altar. He gave them their shot. He said, okay, guys, enough's enough. No fanfare. No light shows. I don't care about their lights. We got people fighting over lights. We fought over books and walls back in the 80s. Now we fight over light bulbs. Smoke machines. Red pews. Red carpet and oak pews. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares when they're dead? What color the carpet is? Who cares two seconds outside of eternity? Whether the lights were purple or whether they were white. Who cares? Who cares? He took 12 stones. See, we have the full word now. We can look back and know that there was God uses 12s to establish the governments of this world. He founded this whole gospel his whole church. He founded the new Jerusalem on the foundation of 12 disciples whose names will be written on the foundations of that city. He built an altar and repaired the foundations of the structure. Next, he done what anybody would do in a drought. He wasted 300 gallons of water. Be like Judas in the money bag. I can't believe he's wasting the water. That water was, well, I forgot something. He repaired the altar, laid the foundations again. And the word, the Bible says that he dug a trench about the altar. That was a separation between the altar and the intends to separate you. Some of you can't serve the Lord because you're afraid you'll lose a friend that wouldn't walk through nothing for you. I'm going to say it again. There's people in this room that are losing out with God because they're sold on some foolish idea that people that wouldn't oh, pee on you if you were on fire. Do you understand that? They wouldn't walk across the street to stomp you if you were burning up. They'll get you in trouble and won't even come to bail you out. And you're more faithful to them than you are the one that can help you. A trench of separation. He said, bring me a barrel of water. Pour it on it. Bring me another barrel of water. Pour it on it. Bring me another barrel of water. Pour it on it. Do you know what he was doing to that altar? He was soaking it in the word of God. It was the washing of the water of the word. He built it 
made it our strong foundation and cleansed it with the Word of God. And then, then, and only then, was it worthy of a sacrifice. Laid the bull. Then he didn't talk about praying, didn't teach about praying, didn't talk about praying. You know what he did? He prayed. And when Elijah took the twelve tones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, and the, wor the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel, of these sons of Jacob, in whom the word of the Lord has come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar large enough to hold two seeds of seed, and then he put wood on the altar. You've got to have some fuel. And he cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood, and he poured four pots of water and poured on it across. Pour that word on the sacrifice. He said, do it a second time, do it a third. And so the water ran all down the altar and filled the trench. And it came to pass. This is where the story turns. And it came to pass. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. By the way, I will tell you there was another that came at the time of the evening sacrifice. <laughs> they put him up there in the morning when bell started. And he hung there for six hours until the time of the evening sacrifice. Jeff, at the same time of day that the fire fell, a cry went out. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? At the same time of day that Elijah began to pray, a Savior said, into thy hands. I commend I can, I can my spirit. At the same time of day when Elijah began to pray, one final cry of it is finished. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the Indian sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, Israel, let it be known to this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O oh Lord. Hear me that these people may know that you are the Lord God. You notice he didn't use the wrong words. Baal, Lord, little L. He didn't say let them, because earlier he said let the one that answers by fire, let him be God. But here he says, let them hear me. Show them you 
vindicate me. Show them, God, that you are the Lord God and that you turn their hearts back to you and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire fell. <laughs> then the fire fell. You know what that was? That was the wrath of God falling on and consuming the sacrifice. That meant that the, fire, that the sacrifice was accepted and God answered by fire. But not only that, it consumed the wood. You know, Elijah didn't call for all that. He said, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. But when God showed up, he consumed the sacrifice. He consumed the wood. He consumed the stones. He, can, he lapped up the water. And the Bible says he sucked up the dust. He left nothing to be behind. Now, verse 39, when all the people saw it, they fell on their face. That is absolutely appropriate. They fell on their face and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah just left well enough alone and went on about his business because they'd seen the fire. This Bible beats anything you've ever seen. It says, when he consumed the fire and the people declared the Lord, he is God. He says, come here, prophets. He didn't give them a good lecture and, and renew their credentials under restoration. He took out his sword and he slew every one of them. That's how you deal with wolves, false prophets, and destroyers. Where in the world did the church ever get the idea that you're supposed to pet the wolves and domesticate them? Leave them in the church and let them keep killing. Hmm. And Elijah said, them seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. Not one. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, <laughs> I don't know, that's not what he said. He said, go up. And eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. We got a church praying for revival that is still silent, unmoved, unrepentant, suffering, and unchanged and thinking that the rain's coming. 
It's not until repentance came. And false prophets were silenced, dealt with by God's people. It doesn't, there's no, there's no transition. Elijah executed the prophets, and then Elijah said, Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. The whole condition was spiritual from beginning to end. It wasn't a random declaration of drought. The drought, oh, I don't think you can see it yet. The drought was the mercy and the grace of Yahweh. He could have just let them die in their condition. He could have killed them with the bells. But instead, he called his own back and demonstrated himself righteously. Gave them a way that they could see he was Lord. And when they turned without any interlude, Matt, Elijah said, I hear the rain coming. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And Ahab went and ate and drank. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, then bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees and said, to his servant, go now, look toward the sea. So when they looked, there was nothing. Seven times, he said, go again. And then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud about the size, small, about the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. We got too many today that are looking for something big and sensational and sweeping to believe that there's revival coming. Just a cloud. A small cloud. After three and a half years, and the prophet said, you better run if you want to get out of here. And now it happened in the meantime. But the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. And Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. It was about Israel. It was about God's people. It's about God's people. God deals with his own, Brandon, because of his love, his jealous love, 
His perfect love. Church, may He one more time hear the cry of His people who says, let the God that answers by fire, let Him be God. May God let the fire fall again. May he let the rain come. The old prophet said, ask for the rain in the days of the latter rain. May we rebuild the altar. Reestablish our foundations. Separate from this world. Immerse ourselves in His Word. Pray to a holy God that the writer of Hebrews says is a consuming fire. Rebuild the altars. God, move us. Church, Mag Church, stand with me. God, move us. I could go into a laundry list of our bales in this building. I've had mine. You've had yours. Some of us, most of us are still chasing our bales, our lords. I can name a lot of things, but I can tell you whatever keeps you from the things of God is your bale. Whatever you're willing to spend your money on and your time, but not give to God, that's your bell. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that where a man's that where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. I didn't write the book. He never asked for all of it. He just asked to be first. First, honor the Lord with your giving, with the first fruit of all that increase. It says, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst forth with new wine. People want to argue over the tithe. Poppycock. All through the word, it is the first fruit. He's first, or he's not Lord. Whatever you will cancel instead of giving it to God, that's your bail. You see, God's never minded if you have money. Abraham had lots of money. Job had lots of money. David had lots of money. Solomon had lots of money. God's never minded if you have money. He minds if money has you. God don't mind if you play baseball. He minds if baseball plays you. 
God don't mind if you have a lake house. He minds if it keeps you out of his house. Shall I continue? He don't mind the enjoyment. He gave us things to enjoy. He minds if our joy comes from something besides him. Oh, I'm preaching at the end. You thought it was over. No. This is the culmination. This is the mirror. This is where people are unmoved, unchanged, unrepentant. Holy Spirit, help me. I told you I have open hands today. I enjoy things just like everybody else I'm preaching to. Do you know what time it is and where we're at? It's time to wake up and get serious. Be moved, separated, changed, immersed in the Word and in prayer. It's got to happen. The rain will never come to your life and the fire will never fall. I said this once in Desert. I'm going to say it again this morning. Hands open. There was a farming community. I knew when planting season was. It was the living. You had to do it. When the time to prepare the field and to plant must be done. The Bible says there's a time to plant, a time to water, time to take up. There's a time. There's a time for everything, Ecclesiastes says. That means there's a time that's not for everything. I know when planting season is. I know when watering season is. When I was there, I knew when harvest season was. Think, oh, we got the crop out of the field. People can come back to church. They've made their living. Final combine pulls out of the field Monday or Friday. Modern gun opens Saturday. Am I against hunting? If you're hearing that, you are, have a spirit of offense and you will, it will, that will cause you to hear things that were never said. But if you have the Spirit of God, you'll hear what's true. Because it's about first. It's about Lord. It's not about alienation. It's about separation. It's not about, it's about what is, you have a Lord, a Baal, or you have a Lord that can change everything. Planting season, watering season, harvest season, deer season. Major League Baseball playoff season. Immediately followed by college football championship season. Followed by national championship. All followed by the NFL playoffs. Followed by spring baseball. And the one that never takes a break, year-round ball. All fine, all good. But if your babies know the rule book and don't know the book, you're out of balance. 
If your babies are smart enough to know every intricacy, how about when gun, when it's bow, when, what the limit, where you can go, how they can be killed, what time of day, what time of night? But you don't know for God so loved the world. You know everything there is to know right here in this church. I thought, God, this, I, I laid up last night. I thought, God, I don't want to say those things. He says, give them open hands. I witnessed with my own eyes when God began to move in the lives of men in this church. When they were about to break through and a new season started and they were back to it. Just like that. And I can tell you who loses. But see, God is not trying to take anything from you. Except the things you don't need. That he knows the plans he has for you. And they're not your plans. Let me give you more scripture. At 1226, we're not done. James says, you ought not say, tomorrow I will do this, and tomorrow I will do that. He said, you should pray at the Lord's willing. This is my plan. God has a plan for your life, and if you haven't asked him for it, you're not in it. God has a plan for your life, and if you haven't prayed and asked for it, you're not in his plan. God has a plan for your children's life. And if you haven't prayed it and they haven't prayed it, they're not in it. And I got news for you. They won't be any different than anybody else's that didn't live for God and fell by the wayside. They're not special. They're not unique. We're just people. There is nothing greater than God's plan for your life. You will never achieve anything higher than to achieve the will of God for you and for your family. And you know what will happen? There's a little thing in this book that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But it didn't stop there. He said, and all these things will be added unto you. Let me tell you something, church. If you will put him first, he will add to your life. If you don't put him first, it will be subtracted and divided until you have nothing. If you don't put him first, your kingdoms will fall. Your castles will crumble. Your dreams will be destroyed. That house that you built on the sand, when the wind blows, when the storm comes and pounds against it, the Bible says that that house will fall. And it says that great will be the fall thereof. Somebody this morning asked me how I know. But if you will build, he built the altar. 
12 stones, foundations. He says, if you will build your house upon the rock, he says, when the storm comes, and it will. When the wind blows, and it will. When it pounds up against that house, and it will. He says, that house will stand. It will stand. It will stand. Father, husband, do you want your house to stand? Build it on the rock. Mother, wife, grandparent, guardian, church mother, Sunday school teacher, Royal Ranger leader, kitchen worker, Sunday school teacher, walk in his plan. Build your life on the rock. Be moved by what moves God. You'll have more than you could ever dream. Some people are afraid to do it because they're afraid God's dreams won't be their dreams. Been there, done that. I had my own plans. Thank God God mercifully burned my kingdoms down where I could walk in his plans. But you know what? It would be easier to pray for the plan. Less painful, pray for the plan. You don't have to do three. Israel did not have to do three and a half years of drought. But mercifully, that's what he gave them. So that the fire could fall again. But more importantly, so that the rain could come. I'm telling you, there's no safer place than in the center of God's will. Have you asked him? Have you asked him? God, make my dreams your dreams. Make my plans your plans. Lord, rearrange my life. Rearrange my priorities. God, make me moved by your presence. Oh, God, don't leave me so hard that I can't feel you. So far from your word that when the man of God declares that it says you answered not a word. God help us. God it's a pastor's cry to a people that they hear the master of the wind this morning.